Let me pray. Let me pray for us tonight. Lord, uh, thank you that your word is eternal. Thank you that it stands firm, and thank you that uh, we can stand firm because of your truth. I pray that as we talk uh, more about spiritual warfare and as we talk more about the armor that you have given to us tonight, that you would uh, just open our eyes and our ears and our hearts up to what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to me as you speak through me, and, uh, and God, that uh, whatever you want said tonight is said uh, so that we leave here more fully equipped uh, in this battle uh, against the, uh, the spiritual forces of darkness in our lives. We love you, God. We give you the glory and honor and praise and uh, pray that the rest of tonight uh, is, is uh, worthy of, of uh, giving you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, three, uh, third week. We're in our third week of the Armor Up series. Uh, and uh, so go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 if you brought it with you tonight. Uh, hopefully you have that bookmarked by now, but if not, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a Bible, let one of the leaders know and we'll give you one for free that you can call your own. You can take that home with you. You can read it at home, uh, bring it back with you and read it here. Study that thing, okay? Invite other people to study it with you. How many of you guys are taking the Psalm 119 challenge that I gave last week? Anybody? Awesome, okay. Um, that, the, the psalm is, is broken up into 22 stanzas, and the challenge last week that I gave is to take one stanza a week, or uh, a day, excuse me, for 22 days. It doesn't matter if you started last week or if you want to start tomorrow or whatever, but take one stanza a day for 22 days, get a highlighter, get a pen, and, uh, and read that one stanza, and as you go through that stanza, uh, highlight everything that is in reference to the Word of God. Just highlight it. And then take your pen and circle or box in or underline uh, everything that you see that the author does in response to the word. And, and the goal in doing this is hopefully that you'll begin to see more and more and more this pattern of just this utter love for the word that, that the author of that psalm has. And, uh, and that that would challenge you uh, in, in your own life to become more in love with God's word and to dig into it more and more. This, this author, you'll see things, he literally uh, is like exhausted without it. He can't get enough of the word. And I pray uh, that that is our heart as well as we continue to grow in our relationship with Christ. We cannot have a relationship with Christ without the word of God. I hope you know that. That is uh, just one of the most basic truths that I can share with you. If you're not in the Word, if you're not in the Bible on a regular basis, um, I would challenge you to take a look at your life if you uh, profess to be a believing Christian because uh, there is just no way that we can know all the things about Jesus and, and, and have this relationship with God without uh, hearing about it from his own mouth through his word, okay? And so I want to challenge you guys to take that Psalm uh, 119, uh, or if you don't want to do that, just, just to simply open your Bible each day and start to read it, okay? Um, all right, tonight we're going we're gonna to be looking at the breastplate of righteousness, uh, and, but before we do that, I want to I do a, a little recap. Um, so where does our armor come from? Who can tell me? Based on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, this, this whole passage. Yeah, Connor. Comes from God, okay? Whose armor is it? His. 
Yeah, you can say it louder. Um, it's, it's important to remember that the armor that we're given for spiritual warfare is not only from God, but it is God's. And we're going to see that truth again tonight as we take a look at this breastplate of righteousness. But let's go back to last week briefly. And, uh, and who can tell me what the first piece of armor is that Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 6? Yeah, Maddie. The belt of truth, all right? What is the belt of, what does the belt, just the belt, do for the Roman soldier? Anybody remember? <laughs> yes, it held up the bed sheets that they wear, right? The, the robe, the long tunic that they wear. They bunch that up and they tuck that into their belt and they cinch that down when they're getting ready for battle so that it frees up their legs for movement, that they can be more uh, agile and mobile, Okay. And um, so how does that translate then for, to us as believers? What does the belt of truth do for us? What's that? It's the word of God, okay? How does that help us? How is the belt of truth for us like the belt is for the Roman soldier in, in the army? Does anybody remember? How about this? Who remembers the catchphrase from last week? It was repeated several times. Yeah, Manny. What you believe is how you behave, right? We talked about truthfulness and living in truthfulness last week. We talked about how, uh, yes, it is the truth, the word of God, and and that is what we need to believe. And, And when we believe in the word of God, we obey the word of God. What you believe Uh, determines how you behave. And so uh, if you're believing in the truth, you're going to live according to the truth. If you're believing in anything else, you're going to live according to anything else, okay? Um, And so putting on the belt of truth means not only believing in the truth of God's word, but behaving according to that truth. Speaking of behaving, let me ask you guys something. How many of you in here would say that you are generally a good person? Raise your hand. You don't do anything that's terribly wrong. You don't try to hurt anybody else. Okay, raise your hand if that describes you. You just kind of mind in your own business, right? Tell me some things that you do that are good. What are some things that you guys do that are good? Respect your teachers, okay? What else, yeah? Respect your parents, okay? What else? Respect your siblings, What's that? Helping others, helping your siblings, yeah. Respecting yourself. A lot of respect. What else? What, what are some things that you do that are good? Yeah. Volunteer work. Right, the, the blessing project that Leslie's been talking about. Those are opportunities to serve people, okay, and, and, and do good to others, right? Anything else? What else is good that you do? Yeah. Go to school. That's a good thing, right? To learn. Yeah. Listen to the law. Yes. Yeah. Talk nicely about people instead of gossiping. Okay. Those are good things. Let me ask you this, though. What is your purpose in doing good? And you don't have to, you don't have to answer me on this one. Just I want you to think about this for a second, okay? What's your purpose behind the good things that you do? Why do you have a desire to be good or to do good? What's the purpose of 
not gossiping about other people or, or helping others or what's the purpose of, of serving uh, in, a, in a, a, the community or things like that. Okay? Some of you might say that you do it because it makes you, it makes you feel good. Uh, others of you might say that you do those things because you see how good it makes other people feel. Now, you don't have to raise your hand about this one either, but how many of you would say that you do those things genuinely because your ultimate goal is to bring God glory in everything you do? Just think about it. You don't need to raise your hands. You see, if your end goal isn't to glorify God in all things, then your, motiva- then your motivation behind your actions will always miss the mark. Think about an archer. How many of you guys uh, shoot bow and arrow in here? Anybody? Okay, so when you, when you think about the ways that you can miss a target, you can miss uh, wide to the right or left, or you can, you can overshoot it, or you can uh, sh- come up short, right? When you think about the archer, and you think about how he, how he can miss, pretending to help others so that you feel good about yourself it's like missing the target wide, okay? You're not even aiming at the, at the right thing. Selfish motives in life are nowhere near the bullseye of the truth in God's word, okay? They're not even close. Genuinely wanting to do good for others for their benefit and not yours is more in line with the target. You've kind of straightened it out a little bit. But if you don't set your sights on the true bullseye of glorifying God, if it stops with the person, if it stops at creation instead of going to the creator, then your arrows of good deeds will come up short every time because you're aiming short every time. The command in, uh, is, is given in Ephesians 6, verse 7. If you just back up a few verses. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And then in Colossians chapter 3, on more than one occasion, Paul Uh, reminds the readers that whatever they do, that they should work at it wholeheartedly and that they should do it for the glory of God. It's very, very clear in Scripture that the glory of God is to be the end goal and the chief motivation behind the actions of every follower of Christ. God doesn't command us to be morally good people. He commands us to be holy people, to be righteous people. Righteousness is is more than being morally good. It means to live in a holy and upright way according to God's standard. Basically, it's doing what God tells us to do. And when we act according to God's word, we live in his righteousness. And so that uh, kind of is, is a little background. It brings us to the next piece of armor that Paul lists here in Ephesians chapter 6. It's the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, and we have a picture of that still kind of washed out, but you can see it a little bit better. Um, Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the, with, the, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So once, once a soldier had all those loose ends of his robe tucked up under his belt and, and, and secured, the next piece of armor then that he would put on was this breastplate. It was typically made up of, uh, of a, a stiff leather vest that had bronze or iron plates sewn onto it so that they would look like overlapping scales. So, uh, you know, just kind of on top of each other, very hard to, uh, to pierce uh, and, and were very strong. Uh, th- this piece of armor covered the soldier's entire torso um, and it served as the chief protection against attacks to uh, all his vital organs. I don't know if, if you're familiar with how your body is made up, but basically from here, well, really to here, 
But really, but from here to here is, is basically all your big vital organs, okay? This part of your body is what you want to protect the most. Uh, and, uh, and being on the fire department and first responder things, uh, th- that's the first thing that we check with uh, anybody that's in an emergency. We need to make sure that this part is all good because if there's anything going on in here, that is life-threatening. I can... Uh, a, a soldier, let's just go back to the Roman soldier again, he can, he can take wounds to his arms and his legs, right? And still keep fighting or at least maybe make it back to safety. But if he gets uh, a sword in the side or, or you know, in the chest, um, he's going to die, right? And so the, 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 the breastplate it was a very important piece of armor for the soldier to wear. And any soldier going into battle would be sure to have it on. He wouldn't, that, he, guarantee you, he wouldn't forget about that one. Okay? So likewise, any soldier in God's army will never, uh, w- will enter battle with the breastplate of righteousness in place. If you understand what it means, and if you understand its importance in your life, you will want to put this on, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Last week, we talked about truthfulness in terms of two B words, right? Belief and behavior. And this week, we're going to talk about righteousness in terms of two P words, positional and practical. So the first word is positional righteousness. Everybody say positional. Now, in order to talk about how this applies to the breastplate of righteousness, to this piece of armor, uh, we, we first need to establish a few truths. And the first truth is that God himself is completely righteous, God himself is completely righteous. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just, is he. God himself is completely righteous. The second truth is that only God alone is completely righteous. That's not a repeat of the first truth. It means God is righteous and only God is righteous. Isaiah 45, 24 says, In the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. In the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. And the third truth is that we are not capable of righteousness on our own. Isaiah 64, 6 says that all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Our human nature is the opposite of righteousness. I want you to catch that. Our human nature is the opposite of righteousness. There is no such thing as a good person. There is only a good God. We are the opposite of righteousness in our human nature. If you want more proof of this, go home tonight and read Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 20. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 20. You can write that down for now, but I want to encourage you to go home and read it later. Okay, and the reason that we're not capable of righteousness on our own is because the standard of righteousness is God himself. And we've already established that he alone is righteous. That means that those good deeds that we talked about earlier uh, at the beginning of tonight, those, those deeds, no matter how many of those we do, no matter how many times we fill that jar with those marbles, even though those actions can be good, And that's a good thing. 
But no matter how many times we try those things on our own power, we will not accomplish righteousness through them. Because we are not capable of any kind of righteousness on our own. But because God is righteous, he demands that we be righteous. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. So then that leaves me with the question. If we're, if we're cap- incapable of holiness on our own, how can we meet this demand of God? He tells us to be holy, and yet we're incapable of it. How can we do that? The truth is that we can't, but Christ can. And this is where positional righteousness comes into play. Because Christ lived a perfect life and fulfilled every single one of God's commandments, obeyed everything completely and perfectly. Because he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ alone has been given Christ's righteousness in place of their own unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that Christ has become our righteousness and our holiness and our redemption. And when we put our, our trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins, he becomes our righteousness so that when God looks at us, he sees us clothed in the righteousness of his son and not in the unrighteousness of our sin. Make sense? Our position before God then is no longer as unrighteous, but as righteous in Christ. This is positional righteousness. It's getting Christ's righteousness applied to my life in place of my own unrighteousness. His good replaces my bad. His clean replaces my unclean. All right, everybody say, Christ's righteousness for my righteousness. Okay, do we get that? Do we understand that? So if you haven't put your trust in Christ alone for salvation, this is available to you. His righteousness is available to you. And his forgiveness is available to you because of what he's done. And so uh, take hold of that. You can have his righteousness. Now, just because those of us in here who are in Christ, just because we have his righteousness, that doesn't mean that we can go on living however we want. Remember, righteousness is doing what God tells us to do. Righteousness gained through Christ has to lead to righteousness practiced through Christ. This is practical righteousness. Everybody say practical. Okay? Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, excuse me, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The righteousness of Christ not only replaces our unrighteousness, but it gives us the desire to live a life of honesty and authenticity and integrity on a daily basis. It's God's spirit in us that enables us to do that. This is the practice of righteousness in our lives, a.k.a. practical righteousness. I'm throwing around a lot of of words here, some vocab stuff, but listen. Christ's righteousness for our unrighteousness. We have that, and that enables us to live righteously through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The armor we're given as believers is not only from God, it is God's. And so that, mean that, God, that means that God doesn't just give us righteousness as a breastplate. He gives us his righteousness as a breastplate. And it's his righteousness that helps us stand strong against the devil's attacks. Listen, I want you to hear this, okay? If you don't, if you don't grab anything else tonight, this is important for you to know right here. As much as God wants you to be holy... Satan wants you to be unholy. As much as God wants you to be holy, Satan wants you to be unholy, and he will do everything he can to remind you of your unrighteousness and try to make you forget about your righteousness in Christ. And we leave ourselves wide open for, an, for attack when we don't take the righteousness of Christ and, and apply it to uh, our daily life. How many of you guys know what this is? It's a bulletproof vest, right? It's real. Um, I love having police officers that go to our church that can give me object lessons. So, okay, we leave ourselves wide open for attack when we don't take the righteousness of Christ and apply it to our daily life. So it would be similar to walking around uh, out in the middle of uh, gunfire, me taking this vest and just walking around out in the middle of gunfire fire like this. Is that doing me any good? Why not? What's the purpose of this vest? Yeah. To put it on, right? It's going to protect me. It's going to protect all this region that we talked about before, my vital section here. It's going to protect that, but I have to put it on first. And if I don't, I'm leaving my vital organs completely exposed to threat. Now, yeah, I have a rib cage and I have some skin and stuff like that. And, and you know, it's part of my body's natural defense, but it's no match for a bullet, right? I have no power to stop a bullet from reaching my heart without this vest on. Without putting on the righteousness of Christ, uh, the believer has no power to stop the devil's attacks from reaching his heart. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for from it flow the springs of life. That's Proverbs 4.23. I'm not sure that there's anything that weakens and discourages a soldier in the army of God more than being engaged in battle and knowing that there's a problem of character or integrity in his own life. Uh, for you, let, let's just talk about some examples. That might mean that you're actively involved here in hype, but you secretly gossip about your friend's at school with other people, or maybe you read your Bible, but you just can't stop looking at pornography. Maybe you have a problem with telling white little lies that, that seem harmless at the time, but in reality, one on top of the other, as they stack up, they keep destroying your character. And instead of exposing those things and surrendering them to the authority of Christ in your life and being secure in His righteousness knowing that you can try and try and try as hard as you want and you'll never get there. So why not take on his righteousness that's offered to you? Instead of doing that, instead of taking his, in his righteousness and being secure in that, you hide from, from uh, those things that need to be exposed. You hide, you keep them a secret from others who can actually help you and point you to God because you're afraid of what others might think about you. You cheated on that test last week? I thought you were a Christian. 
You drink what with your friends last night? I can't believe you did that. Right? You might not hear those thoughts out loud, but you hear them in your heart. You hear them in your mind. Thoughts like that play out in your head and put fear in your heart and remind you of your unrighteousness as if it were too great for the righteousness of Christ to cover. Listen, you cannot outsin the cross. There is nothing that you can do, have ever done, or will ever do that the blood of Christ cannot cover, that you can't be forgiven for. You need to recognize that those are attacks from Satan in your life. Remember, he wants you to be unholy, and and the more... Uh, guilt that he can put on you, the greater chance that he has of keeping you in your unrighteousness and in the feeling uh, like it's all your fault and that you have to dig yourself out because fear and guilt over your unrighteousness doesn't put your focus on the work of Christ. It puts the emphasis on your work, which we've already established will always come up short of God's standard. You need Christ's righteousness which was never meant to just make you feel better about your unrighteousness, but instead it was meant to save you from it altogether and give you freedom in it. We sang about that tonight, the freedom that we have. Again, that righteousness is available to you tonight. If you don't have it, you can surrender your life to him and you can take hold of it. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul doesn't say that we simply need to have the breastplate of righteousness. He says that it needs to be what? What's it say? The last part of verse 14. Get your Bible open. With the breastplate of righteousness, what? In place, Right? You got to put it on. I could stand here and hold this bulletproof vest all night long, but it's not going to do me any good until I actually put it on. Oh, I hear sirens. That's perfect timing. I just feel like bad to the bone with this thing on. When we put on the righteousness of Christ, we have the courage to face the attacks of our enemy, the devil. We no longer need to feel guilty about our unrighteousness because it has been replaced with the, with the righteousness of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we go on to live a sinful way of life. Just the opposite, like I just said, it frees us up to live Uh, the life that that follows God's commands. It frees us up to live a holy life. Again, not on our own power, but because of the righteousness of Christ. I can walk around with this thing on with with confidence that I'm protected. With the breastplate of righteousness on, we can walk around confident that we are protected in the righteousness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 says... You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put on your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Did I say put on your old self? 
You were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. God wants you to be holy, but he knows you can't. So he sent his holy son in your place to pay the punishment that you deserve, that I deserve, because of our unholiness. And then to trade his righteous life for our unrighteous life. To apply that to us. With this vest on, I no longer feel unprotected against a bullet headed straight for my heart. Look, it's even got some reinforcement stuff right here. Okay? With the breastplate of righteousness on, I no longer feel unprotected against the schemes of the devil headed straight for my spiritual heart. When I have confidence in Christ's righteousness as a covering, I'm free to live a life of integrity. Even as believers, we still have sin in our lives. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If you claim to be without sin, you are lying. You're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because his righteousness has been applied to us. When you're pursuing the righteousness of Christ, the sin in your life, it makes you uncomfortable. And, and I'm not talking about just guilt, okay? We just talked about that. The guilt is, is, comes from, from uh, those feelings, uh, the attacks from, from the devil of uh, trying to isolate you, trying to, to point you back to your own works. Now, we should feel convicted. We should feel um, responsible for the sin, because it is our responsibility. We need to take ownership in that. But we need to move past that and see the righteousness of Christ that's been given to us. And so that sin, it'll make you uncomfortable, but then uh, you'll deal with it that much more quickly. You'll turn from it. You'll walk away from it. Not in your own, unrighteous, or not in your own righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness. You can deny that sin, any power over your life because you have Christ's righteousness. And in his righteousness, he denied that sin, any power in his life. Jesus met every temptation known to man and he never sinned. He obeyed God flawlessly, flawlessly. And that perfect record has been given to you as a follower of Christ. So you walk away from that sin. It has no power over you anymore. And the more that you do that in the power of Christ, the less desire you'll have to entertain that sin any longer until you get to the point to where you have no, you, you no longer have any desire for that sin at all. Proverbs 13.6 says, Righteousness guards the man of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and leave it on. Leave it on. Don't take it off. 
Be holy because God is holy. He's commanded you to do so. And, and though we will always have sin in our lives, we shouldn't think that maintaining a life of righteousness, of righteousness is impossible. God will never give us a command that he, uh, without giving us a way to obey it. And that way is through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. We can only have a righteous life if the righteousness of Christ is applied to us. One final word of warning here. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Listen, just because I have this bulletproof vest on doesn't mean that I won't get shot, right? Hopefully in here I won't because hopefully nobody has a gun. But if I were to walk out and, and be in a situation where uh, I could get shot, just simply putting this on doesn't mean that I won't get shot. Just because you have the breastplate of righteousness on doesn't mean that you won't be wounded through persecution. There are people who literally are being killed every day because they profess a faith in Christ. And now you may never have to face that extreme. But nonetheless, we can't deny the truth in 2 Timothy 3.12. Everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. You may be hated by friends or family members because of your faith. You may suffer great loss or disease. You may even be killed for your faith. I tell you, um, if you like to pray, will you pray for me as we go through this series? Um, there's a lot of things that, that are happening in my family right now that uh, I think I can see that as, as attacks from our spiritual enemy. We have a lot of stuff going on, and I, and I think it's directly related to the fact that I'm, I'm talking about this week in and week out for seven weeks. Just to give you an example, um, in the past week, three of, of Bree, my wife's family members, have all been in the hospital for different reasons. Uh, her dad, I just got an email today from her that she forwarded me from her mom, he was at his office last night by himself, choked on a piece of food and passed out and had a glass in his hand and fell on the glass and shattered it and cut his face. Nobody else was there. He could have died. Could have died. He woke up, called the ambulance, and they took him to the hospital. He's got to get some plastic surgery done. Our kids have been having some bad dreams uh, and not being able to sleep very well at night. Um, I don't know if some of you guys may have heard, uh, and some of you, yes, I'm sure that you've all seen a lot of this going on, but there's a, a, um, a school teacher in Morton who, he's my age, 34. We went to high school together. Um, he had j just this massive thing go wrong, unexpected, and he's fighting for his life in the hospital. He's got three kids. I have three kids. They're all about the same ages as my kids, and, and it's just been weighing on my heart very heavily this week to pray for him because I can't imagine leaving my own family behind. Listen, spiritual attacks are real. Spiritual warfare is real, and we need to armor up. We need to use the pieces of equipment that God has given us, uh, his equipment, 
It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when you will be persecuted. You're in spiritual warfare. It's going to happen. But when the time comes, know this. Satan's purpose in persecution. Look, he wants you to be unholy. He could care less uh, about how, uh, how much you're being hurt physically. That's not his main objective. His main objective in persecution is always to draw you into sin, to deny God. And to move into sin. But God's redemptive purpose in your persecution is always to make you holy. To make you righteous. God is not your persecutor. Satan is. And when we have the breastplate of righteousness on in the midst of our persecution, when we have the righteousness of Christ as our defense, we can stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And and we can joyfully face our persecution and the other attacks from the enemy uh, head on, full of hope, knowing that not even death itself can undo what Christ has done for us. I hope that you have that hope tonight. I want you to have that hope tonight. Because I can't imagine going through life and experiencing the things that people experience without hope. You need to put on the full armor of God. Stand strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Tonight, make sure that your, bless, your breastplate of righteousness is on. That it's in place. You will need it. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can trust you Thank you that you are sovereign over us and that you are sovereign over this world, that nothing happens without you knowing about it. And though you don't cause persecution in our lives, that you don't attack us yourself, God, you sometimes allow those things to happen so that we can be made holy, so that we can be more like you, that we're given an opportunity to remember the righteousness of Christ that's been applied to us, to see that the breastplate of righteousness will hold strong and firm, and that it will not let the enemy penetrate and and attack he comes to kill to kill and to steal and destroy and yet you have come to give us life and life to the fullest that's because you have given us your righteousness the fullness of god dwelling in you lord we love you we thank you that we can have peace in you we thank you that uh, that we can trust you And as we continue to talk about this, as we continue to to talk about the other, um, (laughs) even next week, God, as we talk about the peace that we can have and the readiness that comes from your gospel, your truth, the good news, Lord, that that we can uh, 
we can walk in that and that we can know that we'll be attacked but that we can stand strong together as a body of Christ encouraging one another building one another up praying for one another so that we become more like you and that you get the glory that is our goal we love you God in Jesus name Amen